is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Let me have a look around the church. There are faces here that I don't know, which is fantastic. That's what this church has always been about, reaching out, my dear. And thank you for your wonderful welcome for Julie and I and your very, very kind words. I'm an emotional wreck already, but I'll try and get through this. I just feel God's put on my heart some things for the church today. And although we're, I'm, a, I'm very aware of the time, I just want to get through some of these things that I felt God said to me. It has been an utter privilege to serve in this church. Whether I was an elder or whether I was just putting out the chairs, it's an utter privilege to serve in God's church. I hope you recognize that. And it's an utter privilege to serve God in Burton Family Church. That's where we've gone, that's where we're pioneering, that's where we feel God's called us to. Um, and I've missed terribly coming back here, and I've missed terribly being an elder, but God's called me on to the next thing. And so I'm trying to be obedient, and Julie and I are trying to be obedient in what God's called us to. So I didn't really know what to bring this morning, but 16 years as an elder, 20 years in the church, there's so many memories, wonderful memories, as Graham's already talked about. Thank you. Um, <laughs> So the first thing I thought is actually, let's talk about the body. Um, you know, one body, many parts, 1 Corinthians 12. And I was going to remind you of some of the truths in those verses. You know, if one part suffers, every part suffers. But if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And also I was going to remind you that those parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. Don't write yourself off ever if you feel you're one of the weaker parts. And I thought, no. Jubilee's good, we are good at honouring one another, we're knowing when one another suffers, we're very good at that. So then I thought, let's bring something about encouragement. So you immediately think about Barnabas when you think about encouragement. So what did Barnabas encourage the church towards? Well, it says here in Acts 11:23, when he arrived in Antioch and saw that the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. And perhaps that was his way of saying, remember this day always, remain true even when temptation comes. But I thought, actually, this church knows about the grace of God. This church knows how to remain true to God. So I thought, no, what do I speak about, Lord? It's obviously not those two things. So I know I'll talk to the church about the first slide, please. I'll talk to the church about glasses. No, actually, what I'm going to talk to the church about to start with is clarity of vision. Now, I don't know about you, I don't wear glasses, and I have been in denial about it occasionally, but I don't wear glasses at the moment, but I probably need to fairly soon. But I don't know if you've ever done this, but I once tried to view the solar eclipse by looking at it through a colander. Ever tried that? Well, don't do it because it strains your eyes. <laughs> Oh, oh dear, oh dear. No. Okay, okay, fair enough. <laughs> okay, but <laughs> there's always one that wants more of that rubbish. But I, I guess what I want to do today is just to spur you on, encourage you and commend you for what you're already doing. So I want to start by just asking three questions. Number one, what are we all doing here? And I don't mean what are you doing here this morning, but I mean... What are you actually doing when you come to this building on a Sunday or when you join your life groups in midweeks? What is our calling collectively? What is our calling 
And what are we really going for at the moment? And I want to put these questions in the context of slide two, please. This is our vision, if you haven't looked at it for some time. Our vision is to be a vibrant community, shaped by the spirit, equipped by the word, and sent to the nations. And I just want to try and unpick that a little bit this morning and, and just think about how we keep vision fresh and alive. And I want to talk about how we might individually and corporately play our part in impacting communities for God throughout Derby and the nations. You see, this vision statement has determination, drive and energy written right through it. These are not stale or stagnant words. They are a statement of our intent. We are to go into the community and the nations. We have a great commission upon us to go, to make disciples of all nations. Now, not up on here, but further on, if you read the rest of our vision statement online, it says we want to build a large, vibrant city church that gathers centrally on a Sunday and has small groups meeting in and impacting local communities right across the city. We want to see many people come to faith in Jesus and growing in their relationship with him. And we also want to play a part in reaching our nation and the nations for Christ. So that's our vision. It's on our website, it's on our welcome cards for all to see. Folk looking into this church for the first time will know what we're all about. Number three, please, James. But just for a minute, consider this. What is the danger if we did not have a vision or if we let that vision fall by the wayside? Proverbs 29 verse 18 in the King James Version says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. They pass away and decease, not physically, but spiritually. There is an inherent danger of becoming becalmed and wandering about with no particular purpose when we do not have goals to aim for, whether it's in church life or in our personal lives. Remember the Israelites who wandered about in the wilderness for 40 years before they reached the promised land. That journey could have been accomplished in less than two weeks if only they hadn't become disobedient, full of unbelief and forgetful of God's promises over their lives. They'd taken their eyes off the prize. Number four, please. A senior pastor of a widely respected church movement in America made this comment. Without a vision, the people can't focus. They can't reach their goal. They can't follow their dreams. He says, I've seen it with my own eyes. Without a vision, people lose the vitality that makes them feel alive. Vision is a picture of the future that produces passion. Vision should arouse a passion within our spirits. This is not just a set of words we're looking at this morning. They're meant to be the words of abundant life to those who are hurting and seeking the truth. And here it's amazing how God joins things together in a service. I'll put here, it's the big dreams. It's the expectations of what our partnership with the Trinity can and will produce. It's the leap of faith knowing that God and Jesus never, ever disappoint. 
It's remembering the suddenly moments when God breaks in and changes our lives and the lives of those around us. That's passion. That's vision. William Carey, a Baptist missionary in the 18th century, said, Attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. Can I ask you all this morning, when was the last time you attempted something great for God? Something you couldn't achieve by yourself? Sir Edmund Hillary made several unsuccessful attempts at scaling Mount Everest before he finally succeeded. After one attempt, he stood at the base of the giant mountain and he shook his fist at it. I'll defeat you yet, he said in defiance, because you're as big as you're going to get, but I'm still growing. Every time he climbed, he failed. And every time he failed, he learned, he grew, and he tried again. Until one day, he didn't fail at all. That story reminded me of when Paul exalted Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.6. He said, fan into flame the gift of God given to you. Next one, please, James. When you fan something into flame, it gives it new life, new energy. Your faith levels rise as you see situations change and your expectations of what God can do move up a level. We need to continually stir it up. That flame, that passion, call it what you will, but it's that excitement of knowing the intimacy of God and his resurrection power. Well, some of you might say, well, that's okay for you, John. You've been a leader in the church and you've worked for the church and therefore it's probably easier for you. You're rubbing shoulders with Christians all day long to keep that flame and passion burning brightly. But can I say that you couldn't be more mistaken? There have been some really tough times, especially over the last couple of years, where the battle in my mind has been so intense that I thought I just might gain some respite if I just walked away from church life. Has anybody else actually been there? Yeah, there's quite a few people here. So you know, what it, you know how that feels. And I just, you know, if, if we've got time at the end, I'd love to pray for those people that put their hand up or would have put their hand up. I just feel God's given me some revelation in that, but I'll move on. But then in the height of the battle, when the battle was so intense in my mind, I remembered some of Paul's remarkable words to the church in Rome, in Romans 8. And he said, I know, I know that, that there is nothing that can or will ever be able to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Remarkable. Not hardship, nor trouble, nor famine, nor persecution. And you can add, nor doubt in my mind, nor questions of faith, nor battles, etc. Why? He goes on to tell us the answer. Because I am a conqueror through him who loved us. And it's the same for you if you know Jesus as your saviour here this morning. You are a conqueror and an overcomer. It's as simple as that in God's words. We've got to grab hold of these words. When we start to dwell on these mighty truths, our passion and our faith starts to rise again. So let me quickly recap on this first part. We've talked about vision. We've talked about there's no vision. And we've talked about vision should arouse passion. And finally, 
how we fan into flames the gift that God has given us. So let me return to our vision statement for a moment, which says we should be impacting local communities all across this city. How are we doing? Well, this morning was a wonderful representation of that, that, that wonderful letter from that lady. And when I, can I firstly commend you all for the enthusiastic way you've embarked upon this venture? Marshalling, gardening, litter picking, moving furniture, praying for folk, as well as what you're doing through your life groups and individually. The whole concept of Love Derby is brilliant, and Fiona is doing a great job in making this come alive. But why are we doing this? What is the point? Well, let me read you a statement that I found a couple of years ago about the local church, about the bride, about the body of Christ, and I find it's just the most beautiful representation of what we're really here and what it's all about. And I'm going to read it slowly because there's so many wonderful words in here. There is nothing like the local church when it's working well. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. It comforts the grieving and heals the broken in the context of community. It builds bridges to seekers and offers truth to the confused. It provides resources for those in need and it opens its arms to the forgotten, the downtrodden and the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addictions and it frees the oppressed and offers belonging to the marginalized of this world. Whatever the capacity for human suffering, the church has a greater capacity for healing and wholeness. The potential of this local church is unlimited. Please believe that, you guys and girls here, you're unlimited what you can achieve through God this morning. And this is the whole point. This is why we do what we do, to raid the enemy camp and bring release to the captives. This is the prize we're after. This is why we must keep coming back to our vision statement to keep it fresh in our minds and to ensure that what God has called us for here in Derby, we are accomplishing to the best of our ability and through his power. As we've previously said, vision should ignite something in our hearts. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your hearts. Well, we don't take delight in the Lord because we want the desires of our heart. We take delight in the Lord because he's utterly worthy of our love. He's wonderful beyond description. That's why we take delight in the Lord. And the desires of our heart are just a wonderful addition to that. Let me ask you this morning, are you delighting in the Lord at the moment or have circumstances temporarily robbed you? And I, I use the word temporarily advisedly because he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. And let me ask you this morning, what are the desires of your heart? And it was wonderful what Sandra brought and Naomi brought and Kat brought. Because I was going to ask you this morning, this morning I want you to dream outrageously big dreams, both personally 
and for this church. As for me, I love this church to have its own building, not for the sake of having a building, but to affect the communities right across Derby. A building that can offer marriage support, family counselling, debt relief, a food bank, or just a cup of tea. What about you? What could you dream of that will help transform the lives of the disillusioned, the forgotten and the marginalised of this city? To realise those dreams, we need the whole body of Christ to be mobilised. And remember, as we do this, the weaker parts are indispensable. Do not leave them behind. Thank you, James. Do you realise the very fact that you're in this church at this time makes you a potential pioneer? The definition of a pioneer is a person or people who are amongst the first to explore or settle a new area. You are explorers, trailblazers and discoverers who instigate, spearhead, give birth to and lay foundations and groundwork for that vision to be achieved. Pioneers have different giftings, but we need them all. Those with a pioneering spirit always seem to be fruitful. They're always going for something. Sometimes it doesn't work out, but they just dust themselves down and they go again. Pioneering sometimes does not mean you have to go or go somewhere different. The majority of us are called just to serve exactly where we are. And this is happening through Love Derby initiatives, Faith Open Enterprise, the Furniture Project and much more. And Terry Vogo, the founder of New Frontiers, once spoke about the eagle's nest, wherein the parent eagles literally pushed their young out of the nest to encourage them to fly and find a new home. And I felt that this morning as I was out in the field walking the dog. I felt as I was thinking about that, I felt that there was a, a, a stirring from the eagle's parents this morning over this church. There was a get ready to push them out of the nest for some people here. That doesn't mean you're going to go from this church. That's going to mean actually you might walk into a new ministry or do something completely different or you might find a new job. But I felt there was a stirring in the nest this morning. And know that when the parent eagle pushes the, the young out of the nest, they, they drop, but then they pick it up on the thermals again. They fly again. They rise again. And in the context of what Terry was saying, in the context of pioneering, he went on to say that if you go, you go. But if you stay, you go. There's a sense of momentum and movement in the church. So I might stay here, but I'm still going for things. If, I'm going, if God calls me somewhere else, I'm going to go for that as well. I feel that's what we've done in, in Burton. When this church planted out Burton, we've gone for something. And it's been tough in times. And actually, not everybody's that we thought was going to pioneer with us have pioneered. And some of them have moved on. And that's been very dif difficult to, to take. But actually, send pioneers, God. That's what we need. On one of the first times I ever preached in the Waterfall pub near the station, I preached on adventure. And as I was thinking about that Waterfall pub, just hands up, how many people remember the Waterfall pub? Oh, quite a few of you, right? Oh, hangers on, okay. So the Waterfall pub, just to quickly describe it, was 
well, actually, we were a very mature church. We'd come out of the YMCA, which Graham spoke about, and then we'd gone into Benrose School, which is okay. But then we were meeting in a pub. We're a very grown-up church. We could boast to all our friends we meet in a pub. But actually, it was an upstairs room that was sort of hired out for sort of events, birthdays, and all sorts of things. So, so when you got there on a Sunday morning and went in there, actually, first thing you noticed was you stuck to the floor because so much beer was there, and you sort of squelched across the floor. And then you probably smoked about 20 cigarettes because the nicotine was still in the air from the night before. And that was okay, I suppose. And then... Yeah, then, then yeah, it was so cold in that building, wasn't it? And then the, um, the owner used to bring in, it was like a jet engine that threw flames out at one end and singed all the little people as they came past to, to, to Sunday school. And but, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was something different. And then on this particular morning, Graham was preaching, and I remember this, there'd been a party the night before, and up in the, up in the very, very tall ceiling was all these helium-filled balloons right across the ceiling. And as Graham was standing, he was giving it all, what Graham does, you know, he doesn't give it a bit of this. It was... Down, unbeknown to him, and behind him came one helium balloon. Just very, very slowly came down. And all of the congregation were out there, and they started to smile. And Graham thinking, oh, I'm doing quite a good job here, I'll carry on. They obviously liked what I brought this morning. So this balloon came down and down and down, until he was virtually behind his head here. And then it was almost like this thing was remote controlled, because actually, it was here, and then it moved exactly parallel to Graham's head along here. And Graham was looking at it, but he was smiling and thinking, oh, I've got to carry on here then. But behind him, he didn't know I was going on. But that was the waterfall. It was a lovely time. I'm so glad we moved out there. But anyway, bless you, Graham. You took it in good faith. Um, but anyway, this adventure, yeah, sorry, come back to the adventure. So God gave me a picture of the members of the church dressed up in all sorts of outward bound gear. And the only ones I remember were Derek and Chrissy. They dressed up in space space uniforms and things like that but it was the sense that actually a bit of Narnia that Aslan was on the move that the snow had started to melt and that an adventure with God was about to start and that adventure has never stopped we might have been through some tough times in this church but actually there's always been a sense of adventure you guys are trailblazers and you still are but let me say just before you decide to embark upon this adventure James, please. Done that one, thank you. Thank you. There will be a cost, both in the preparation and the implementation of our vision, and at times we may feel physically and spiritually drained as we reach out to the poor, the oppressed, and the marginalised. And there will be times, as I have experienced, when you might want to throw in the towel and just walk away from God or from his church. Let's be honest with one another, that happens in life. And I was struck by the story of when Jesus called his first disciples and he said, come follow me. We're about to go on an adventure. He didn't say that, but he said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. At once, it says, at once they left their nets and they followed him. He didn't say think about the cost, although he knew that some would later pay with their lives. But that compelling love of Jesus, don't you know that sometimes? That compelling love of Jesus drew them into an amazing adventure of risk and excitement that left them forever changed. The 12 of them, under the love and direction of Jesus, changed the world. So in closing, 
All we need is not more resolve or more discipline so that we can follow the rules more precisely. What we really need are hearts transformed through God's Holy Spirit that do not see his will as burdensome, but as a delight. And this is how we will become salt. It is how we will light the world and change this city for God. We are called to be that city on a hill, to be seen to stand out, to be conspicuously different. And the emphasis of our vision statement is not about non-concealment of the light that God has revealed to us and through us. And I believe that only one power exists on this earth that can truly transform the human heart. It's the power of the love of Jesus Christ. This is the love that captures, sorry, that conquers sin, wipes out shame, heals wounds, reconciles enemies, and patches broken dreams, ultimately changing one life at a time. And what stirs my heart is the knowledge that the radical message of that transforming love has been given to us, the church. The future of the world rests in the hands of local congregations like this one here and us in Burton and Trent. So we need churches filled with the power of God so that from the overflow of that radiance it becomes impossible to hide our light even if we wanted to. We are called to be those individuals that can't help but spill goodness, peace, love and joy into this world. Strong, growing communities of faith can turn the tide of history. Don't bother looking elsewhere. The Church of God is, intend is God's intended vehicle to bring and restore hope and light to the nations. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise, not you, but your Father in heaven, Matthew 5.16. So vision, pioneering, and adventure. It's in the DNA of Jubilee Church, and should ever be so. Amen. Love it if we can just stand. I'd just love to pray over you. I'd love to pray over you as a church, and then I'd love to pray for any of those people that just feel they just want to, you know, they just, I guess, felt something that I said earlier about um, just falling away from God a bit. Okay, Father, I just say, Spirit of the living God, just fall afresh upon this dear church. This body of Christ, this, this bride that you're coming back for one day, Lord God. Lord God, what could we do with them? What could you do with them, Lord God? What could you do with their hearts? What could you call them to? What could they dream of, Lord God, that you've got for them? Lord. 
Lord, I thank you for the impact this church has made over many lives over many years, Lord God. Father, just bring that sense of momentum, Lord God, where it's fallen by the wayside. Father, cause him to run the race, Lord God, again. Jesus. Jesus. Father, we thank you so much for your faithfulness over so many years. Father, thank you that you've given, Lord God, Father, to us where we don't deserve it. You've never left us, you've never forsaken us, Lord God. You've always poured out, Lord God, you've always lavished upon this church. May it ever be so, Lord God. May they go from strength to strength, Lord God, by your Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.